1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Welcome to the Intercooler podcast. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of 2023 episode 142 uh, with me Dan Prosser and my TI co-founder and co-host Andrew Frankel. Uh, So this week we're talking about hot hatches. Over Christmas we ran a uh, what we called the Hot Hatch World Cup um, which was really just a little bit of fun to keep us occupied over Christmas Um, but it turned into a bit of a thing and I think people enjoyed following it. Um, and the point of it was to declare one hot hatch the greatest of all time, as voted for by the Intercooler audience. So that's what we talk about this week. But we begin this episode on a sombre note with the very sad news that Ken Block was killed in a snowmobile accident yesterday. Um, So we get onto hot hatches soon, but we begin by talking about Ken Block. I, I never met Ken Block, you didn't either, but it's just impossible no. in our world not to be aware of him. I think we knew plenty of people between us who did know him, yeah. um, and I've had conversations with people in the past who just say he, he's just a great guy. Um, yeah. And you, could, you got that sense from watching him, from seeing him in interviews, um, just uh, energetic, um, seemed to be very pleasant, very generous with his time. I was following the WRC quite closely when he... Um, contested a few rounds. Uh, yeah. I think back in 2010. Um, now the guy wasn't quite on the pace of Sebastian Loeb and the best in the world, but he yeah. was a Who serious. Watched? He was yeah, he was a seriously good driver, nevertheless. And you can tell yeah. that from his Jim Carner videos. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, all that stuff takes a heck of a lot of skill, and he he could do it. And he was a he was a proper showman, wasn't he?
1: I mean, he was, I mean, I don't know uh, nearly enough about his world, but I do know from the sort of race car world that, that you get, occasionally get these specialists come along who do a certain sort of thing better than anybody else. Um, yeah. I mean, the example I can give is when Steve McQueen was filming the Le Mans movie in 1970. And he basically, he had the greatest drivers in the world um, because they just stayed on after the race for months to record the film. Um, but when they needed a shot of someone skidding a five twelve S or a nine seventeen, they all went Natar, mm. and they went and got a bloke called Rob, Rob Slottermacher, who was just a a drift specialist. He was an ace, and you know, and he was better at that sort of thing than anybody else. And I think that's probably where where Block was, wasn't it? He? he was just oh, yeah. he he figured out what it was that he could do, uh, and just took it to a completely new level, didn't he?
0: Mm. He did, and he he built the Hoonigan's brand. He built the the Jim Carner video series, um, and with his team, they built some phenomenal cars. And I, the one that comes to mind is that Mustang um, with, the, I think it had a NASCAR engine. Some oh, yeah. Outrageous amount of power. But the way he throws that car around, yeah, that's a phenomenal level of skill. And the, Actually, what leaps out at me is that, you know, it's not often that car, a car media artifact becomes a global phenomenon. Is it, really? And, you know, the examples that spring to mind, the Clarkson, Hammond and May era Top Gear, yeah. um, the F1 documentary Drive to Survive, yeah. um, perhaps the Senna film, um, mm. and perhaps the, the McQueen film that you just mentioned as well. There are a few examples of something in the car space, be it a film, be it um, something written, be it a book, be it a TV yeah. show that does reach, it transcends it, the core car audience and reaches an enormous right, global audience. It breaks audience. out of the car does. space, doesn't it, and becomes something else. It, do, it becomes something much bigger, yeah. and Jim Karner did that. And it's, it's a rare thing to be able to create something that transcends just the car world. Um, but Ken Block did that with Hoonigans, with the Jim Carner videos. Um, extraordinary achievement. Really, really extraordinary um, yeah, and I think we're both sad very sad that he's gone.
1: It's just a just a terrible shame. I think he was tweeting from his place in Utah, you know, hours before the accident. Um, mm. and yeah,
0: I mean it's you know, as you say, it's just a complete bolt from the blue, isn't it? It is. Yeah, he leaves <laughs> behind yeah. a wife and kids. Um, yeah. and so our thoughts are with all his friends and family. Mm. Um, okay, so we're talking this week about the Hot Hatch World Cup. Yes. Um, an idea of yours. Really, it was to keep us busy and active over Christmas, wasn't it? The Football World Cup ended, and to keep things ticking along on our social media platforms, we decided to stage a kind of nation's contest of our own. Yeah. Um, It was your idea, your doing, your fault. (laughs) Why why Hot Hatches? Just a, a sort of easy place to start.
1: Yeah, I think exactly that. I mean, yeah, okay, so I, I thought about the idea, you know, I was just thinking, you know, not that I'm a particular footy fan, but I mean, once every four years, even I get quite interested in mm. um, 22 men kicking a ball around the field. Um, and I was just thinking about that. And, I was, I, 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 and and then when the idea of doing a car World Cup came up, um, I just thought instantly hot hatches. Mm. I mean, it, obviously there is scope um, and hopefully in time we will do other um, you know, there's sorts of World's Cup. I don't imagine we'll ever do a crossover SUV World Cup. But, um, you know, there's clearly, you know, supercars and sports cars and, you know, fast estate cars and all sorts of I mean, people have been suggesting all sorts of things. But, I mean, the hot hatch, because I mean, the hot hatch, I think it's the sort of thing which unites us all, isn't it? Mm. Um, because it's the always has been the most accessible form of fun. Because even if you go and buy an MX-5, that still requires you to only, you know, need two seats and that sort of thing. I and mean, most of us actually need a bit more space in our lives. And, and so all of us at some stage, um, or certainly most of us, will have come across hot hatchbacks. It's the one thing mm. that, I mean, everybody has an informed opinion about. And it just seemed like really just a fun thing to do. Um, yeah. And then it was just a question of sort of working out which nations um, could get involved and, and a little bit of jiggery-pokery. We got so much grief, didn't we, by putting <laughs> forward... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As American, uh, which clearly the company is, but none of its hot spe- hot hatchbacks are um yeah. but it was that or you know put them in with germany or you where would you put forward I mean who knows so um we did that uh, we sadly had to exclude uh the Czech Republic because we only we we, we needed eight teams so we could have um four quarterfinals um and so Skoda was the ninth, so there's no Octavia VRS in there. But it was just, it was just a little bit of fun, which appears to have sort of captured something, and people have got really stuck in and involved. We've had thousands and thousands of votes for it, um, and it, as you say, it was, it was just a fun thing to do um, over the course of uh,
0: Christmas and the New Year. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> just one point on the the pedantry, because it was funny, and I understand why people. And actually, it's good that people feel. Um, Sort of wound up enough about it to bother to reply because you want yeah. people to get to engage, don't you? And the the point about the nations, which countries certain hot hatches come from, um, I saw some people were confused as to why we declared the Focus RS American, yeah. um, but the Mini British. You know, they were pointing. Someone pointed out that actually, how how can you declare Ford Focus RS? american when it's clearly built in designed and built in europe and then someone else was saying how can you declare a mini british when it's owned by a german company so do we go with ownership do we go with where the um where the cars are designed and built in the end we kept it simple didn't we because that's actually the only way to do it so we went with where is the mark behind this particular car from and quite clearly ford is an american brand if you don't do that there are so many um, exceptions that you have to make um, and you end up with a rule book an inch thick and it becomes horribly complicated um, and no one can follow you and people don't actually know which cars are representing which country so the only way to do it is to keep it simple i mean at that stage
1: where does an integrale come from you know lancy is owned by stellantis yeah I don't yeah. even know what Stellantis is. Is Stellantis French? Is it America? I don't
0: know. You know who, who knows? But yeah. It's not and, Italian. And Seat, are they really less Spanish than a Mini is British? Yeah. Um, the previous Civic Type R was built in Swindon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that so, represent I mean, Swindon? I
1: mean, I mean the, the great thing about it is we get to make the rules. We do. And, we do. I, we I, do. I, I, <laughs> and, and you can disagree with them as much as you like, and that's absolutely fine. And, and lots of you had lots of good reasons to disagree with them. But whatever alternative anyone suggests another bunch of people would have disagreed equally with that so so in the end we just decided to do it the way we wanted to do it and the only way which kind of made a bit of coherent sense to us and it was just a bit of fun yeah um
0: so hopefully everybody enjoyed doing it but nobody took it that seriously and the last point is that we kept we decided to go with a broad definition of what a hot hatch is because again this is another one of those points that people can debate till the cows come home um, some people were, point- were saying, for me, a hot hat should be front wheel drive and affordable. Um, I think we, we, again, we went with a broad definition to avoid having an inch thick rule book. Um, yeah. We all know what a hatchback is. Yes. You know, some people might point out that you can get an E type with a hatchback boot. Exactly. But we know, don't we? Come on, we all know that's not a hatchback. Um, and we know that a hot hatchback is a, a, a go faster version of a normal everyday hatchback car. So it's quite clear. And within hatchback there are of course different types. There are four wheel drive mega hatches, there are warm hatches, there are rear wheel drive cars, only a few. Um, There are rally homologation specials, but we, come on, we know what a hot hatch is. So we went with a broad definition so that um, it didn't get horribly complicated and confusing. So there we go, I just wanted to explain why we made some of the choices that we did. Um, and actually, so coming up with the eight countries was fairly straightforward. As yeah. you said, one or two, did we go with Spain or the Czech Republic? We went with Spain in the end because of CET. Um But w- it wasn't up to us to choose which cars would represent each nation.
1: No, we, cho- we, cho- we, we chose nothing. Mm. Um, well, we chose the draw once the representatives had been found. Um, but no, I mean, if you haven't seen it, um, we just put... In one a day for eight days we just put eight nations on twitter and we yeah. got and we got people to vote for um, whichever cars they wanted um and then we added them up i mean sometimes the adding up we had to you know, interpret a bit because somebody you know some people would just go golf gti mm. without saying which one of the eight generations they were talking about um but actually i mean it wasn't you know in almost all cases it was pretty clear-cut what they were referring to and we did want sort of specific cars from specifically you know, golf gti there's no way that you could have put you know all eight generations of golf gti it was no. completely unfair to, to everything else um and yeah and so yeah but so and uh, everybody else um you know everybody you know their thousands got in touch on twitter and m- m- put their nominations forward um and i guess most of them were what you expected but not all
0: no and um let's run through them this. so the point of all this was a bit of fun, first and foremost, a bit of fun. But we wanted to declare one car the greatest hot hatch of all time, as yeah. voted for by the intercool audience. Not by us, but by our readers and listeners. Um, and so the cars that were ultimately nominated to represent each country um, were France. It was always going to be the Peugeot 205 Well, well
1: I, you know, I just thought, well, of course, it would be the 205. And indeed, that's, that's how it turned out. But if you actually go through and tot it up... Mm the renault sport Clio, the 172 and the 182 ran it remarkably really? close i was having to do a lot of you know going back and recounting and rechecking and you know there wasn't much in it
0: wow um and then we could have had a completely different outcome mm, interesting yeah, yeah. okay um germany vw golf gti mark one
1: um yeah, yeah i mean but again there, you know the mark five and the mark seven are
0: mm. um you know both did really really well um,
1: that's
0: interesting yeah. I guess that demonstrates that there is sort of variety in the TI audience, isn't there? There will be people out there who owned and loved the 205 five GTI, the Mark One Golf when when they were new, but um, others who have owned the more modern cars more recently and remember those for very fondly. And um, finally, very little interest. Okay, there's a bit of interest on in the BMWs, um, quite
1: rightly in my view, the M one three five i and m one forty i. Very little interest in Mercedes. Ah, the A45s, A45s. A45s. You know, the most powerful hot hatchback that there's ever been. Mm. Not even sure it got a vote. So they don't really I need resonate. To back, do they? I do need to go back and have a look. Yeah.
0: No, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so before all this, I tried to point out to you that Britain was not well represented uh, in the hot hatch stakes. Um, and it's not compared to France and Germany, but there's, you came back and said, actually, there's this, this, this. Um, so there's a few bits and pieces out there from Britain. Yeah. I and I don't say this
1: as a, as, a, as a proud former MG Metro owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm not sure Christian was in with a chance of winning this contest but it, you know in the end um the our audience nominated the Mini Cooper JCW uh the R53 so the first under the BMW ownership. Um, yeah. Was that the GP? Was that the 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 raw 2-seat one?
1: No, it was, just the J, it was the JCW. Okay, okay fine. So yeah, no, it wasn't G, and, the J. And there actually one. there wasn't. You know, that's really, there there were a couple of people who popped up with the E Type. Nobody popped up with the Aston DB two four Mark three, which <laughs> I thought was a bit a bit disappointing. <laughs> but um, there were some votes for the Sunbeam Lotus. which would probably got my vote.
0: I think a couple of um, MGs, the ZS was that? No, the ZR was the the. Hatchback well, the ZS one, and the ZR they? were both hatchbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they um, were good cars. Yeah, they were. My uncle yeah. had one. Had the. ZS 180 with the V6. It was yeah. a cool thing, really cool thing. Um, Italy. No, we shouldn't say Lancia, should we? We should say Lancia. Lancia. Integrale Evo 2 specifically. Um, yeah. What were the alternatives there? Abaths? Um, so there? There's, there was,
1: there was, there's, there's a bit, they get it, uh, there's quite a lot of love for an Uno Turbo. Who knew? <laughs> um, yeah, Strada 130TC. Yeah. Um, bit of love for the Alpha Sud. Uh, despite the fact that it wasn't a hatchback for almost all of its life. I think the car came out in 1971, I think it gained a hatch in 1983, so it was really last-knocky sort of bit. But it was a hatchback towards the end of its life. Uh, and then things like you know Alpha 147 GTA and you mm. know, the Volume X, X uh, Launcher Beta HPE, stuff like that, but no, I mean, the Grali just walked it, yeah. which it was always going to. Yeah, um, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, Japan? No, was, was I surprised by this? I think I was. Was it close? Yeah. In the Very. end, it was the Toyota GR Yaris. Yeah.
1: But both the EP3 and the UK9 Civics ran it so close.
0: Mm. Um, do you know what? I wonder if there had only been one or two Civic Type R's from history from which to choose. Yeah. Whether, what, because you fragment the vote, don't you, by having you generations Absolutely. of them. Yeah. Whereas there's clearly only been one GR Yaris. So that might have been why in the end the gi yaris got the nod but it's fine it's a it's a worthy yeah, but, you know
1: i'm glad that it did because otherwise we would have been very thin on the ground on you know on modern cars
0: recent stuff yeah yeah
1: um and there was there, there was there was the inevitable um you know few votes for the ae 8 AE 86 corolla as well mm. um which would have been mega but i think it's just too niche and too little known these days isn't it uh, so so the yaris did win it but again i think it is important to note just how close the civic ran it yeah um good yeah,
0: so there you go. South Korea, probably yeah. the most recent arrival on the ha- hot hatch scene. Um, and you're, you're talking Hyundai's, really, aren't you? And in, apart from in, a st- apart from the Stinger. Ooh, yeah. Tec- well, I
1: know. Okay, <laughs> okay, fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hyundai i30n. Um, yeah. So that seemed to get the nod over. Well, it did get the nod over the i20n, the smaller i20n. Yeah, but, not, but again, not by much. Okay. Yeah, and it's a good car, really good car. The i30n few yep. different ver- versions of it, but they're, they're good things. Um, Spain, León Cupra R.
1: Yeah, move on. I mean, it, wasn't gonna be, it was never going to be anything else, was it? <laughs> really.
0: <laughs> and then uh, America, the USA, Ford yes. Focus RS Mark I. I know, not designed or built in the USA, but come on, it's a Ford. It's a blue oval a from America.
1: Um, and and the other contenders, um, no, but nothing other than Fords, I'm afraid. No. No Chevrolet Chevrolets or anything else, but there was obviously the Fiesta ST got a few votes. Yeah, uh, not as many as I thought it would, mm. um, but fair enough. Um, and one or two for the uh, for the Sierra Cosworth. Is the Sierra Cosworth do a hot hatchback? I think it
0: is. Mm. I w- I'd say the Escort RS Cosworth is a hot hatch. Yeah. I'm, phew, not sure. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter now, does it? Um, I didn't get through no, so it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. So those are the candidates: two hundred five GTI. Uh, Mark 1 Golf GTI, Mini Cooper JCW, um, Integrale Evo 2, GI Yaris, i30N, Sert-Leon Cupra R, Ford Focus RS Mark 1. Good mix of four-wheel drive and front-wheel drive. Good mix of older stuff, newer stuff, um, bigger, smaller cars, um, mostly mostly turbocharged. But I think that's a a good cross-section of the hot-hatch world, isn't it? I'm, I'm quite pleased with... The, the eight candidates that we that we had in the end. Yeah, I mean, given that we, they, you know, they span, you know, modern-day cars like the
1: i30N and the Yaris, going right back to, well, OK, we've made this point before, the Golf GTI was absolutely not the first hot yeah. hatchback, but the car which is perceived to have founded the category. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a good smattering of 80s stuff and 90s stuff and 2000s stuff. It's a really, really good cross-section, and, you know, and I think we need, the point is worth making
0: again. You know, none of this was our choosing, was it? No, 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 all voted for by the, yeah. our audience. So if you have any particular grievances, you'll have to take it up with several Everybody thousand else. TI readers. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it's on Boxing Day that we um, kicked off the first quarterfinal, um, which was France versus South Korea, 205 GTI versus i30N. Um, yeah. G- well, it's not difficult to guess which one would win that particular head-to-head, we did this, by the way, on Twitter using the the polls function. Um, so it's very, very easy for anyone um, to go over to our Twitter page and just vote for one of the, for the car that they prefer, um, and the winner would go through to the next round. Very straightforward. Um, so the two hundred five GTI won. No great surprises there, but the Hyundai picked up twenty two percent of the vote. So you know, it was. There are others that were more dominant than that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, credit Absolutely. to the
0: Hyundai for, you know, not well, totally given that it was up against, itself.
1: you know, what I think most people would regard to be the sort of iconic, almost the definitive hot hatchback. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
1: for better than one in five people to choose hmm. a Hyundai over it, I think it just goes to show, you know, well, to an extent, I guess. You mustn't take this, you know, read too much into <laughs> this, but, um, you know, it's it's how, how perceptions have changed.
0: Mm. Yeah, indeed. And how indeed. it's aging. So, 205 GTI through to the semis. Um, yeah. Back in the quarterfinals, VW Golf GTI Mark One versus Seat Leon Cupra Mark One Cupra R, yeah. isn't it? Yes, um, Cupra R. Again, well, this was yeah. almost totally one-sided. 86% of the vote for the Golf, um, 14 for the Leon. Not a big surprise there at all. I think that no. was the that was the most dominant victory. In the whole thing, actually, in the whole contest, contest.
1: it was. Yeah, I'd be quite interested to, to speak to you know. There were still quite a few people who have voted for the SAIR and, and and just got their thinking on that. Hang on, so you're up against you know the the archetypal, certainly the yeah. um hot hash but but you thought a set mm. was was better than that.
0: Mm. There I will be there some iconoclasts, won't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I just, just don't enough. like
0: the idea. Of, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't like the predictability. Okay, so okay, the so third. The third quarter final. Um, yeah, I didn't Britain. see this coming. Britain? No, 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 not at all. Britain versus Japan. R53 Mini yeah. Cooper JCW versus Toyota GR Yaris. Very, yeah. very close run thing. Um, I thought the Yaris would just walk it. Yeah, I did as well. Maybe this says we have lots of British. Well, we clearly have lots of British um, followers, so perhaps that helped them. Any, but it picked up a bit of home advantage. Of the vote. Yeah, forty-eight
1: percent of the vote. Yeah, so that's, very, um, that's a
0: very narrow win for the GI Aris
1: It was easily the, cl- the closest um, contest in all the in all yeah. the quarterfinals that we had. Yeah, um, it was easily. Very it makes class. me want to go and drive an R fifty three JCW again because
0: mm. it's been a while. Yeah, same. It has been a while. Fun little things, though. Um, okay, so the final uh, quarterfinal if you see what I mean, was the Integrale Evo 2 versus Ford Focus RS Mark 1. Um, Actually, this is surprising as well. The Lancia. For the other reason. Yeah, the Lancia, 73% of the vote. Trounced it.
1: Yeah, trounced it. Again,
0: didn't see that coming either. I thought it would be much closer. I thought you know, the Ford I mean, Focus so, RS Mark One was one of those hot hatches that people were really drawn to. Yeah, I mean, you would have bet all day long that
1: a Focus RS would get closer to an Integrale than a, an R fifty three Mini would get to a GR Yaris, wouldn't
0: you? Yeah, but nothing, not even close. I'm glad mm. we've had plenty of you know surprising results in this. Otherwise, yeah. you could just see it coming a mile off. But
1: I mean, the, the Focus got barely a quarter of the vote. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what does it say? Um, people love Integralis.
0: I think it, I think I've probably underestimated how the Integrali resonates because, well, that is it's moulded, it there seventy three to twenty seven percent. Yeah. What is it about the Integrali? You know, there'll be plenty of rally fans out there, plenty of people who love the idea of a proper homologation special, plenty of people who love the look because it's a superb looking car, the Integrali. Yeah. Um, um, so whatever it is, it absolutely. I think, I,
1: I think it has an authenticity to it, to it doesn't it? You know, yeah. because they identify it with all those great people who drove them in period, and it was of them all. Mm. Um, it was the one that sort of really got out there and did it. So it, has, it does have a dimension that the others yeah. that the others lack. Um, yeah, true. And it's and it's strange because although I have enjoyed driving many Integrales over the years, I've never been completely smitten by one. I've always thought, yeah, these are really good. And I've, and I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, and I've been accused of, you know, hating It's Absolutely not the truth. I really, really like them. Um, almost everything that people say about them is true. But I've just never, I've never felt passionate about them. And I don't know why. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've driven some that were being able, which are very fast and they're all incredibly capable. Um, but they've always been to, to me a hot hatchback it's not it's, it's not about being fast or you know incredibly fast it's, it's just about interaction and fun and adjustability mm. and balance and that sort of thing and i've just always found others that do that better
0: but that's just me i so i've spent so little time driving them but i think that's one of the things i now want to do in the early part of 2023 is have a proper go in a delta integrale evo 2 yeah. And try and understand why it is that so many people seem to be so drawn to it. And just what is the reality? Is it genuinely exciting and fun to drive that car? Or is, it actually, is there a romance about it that people are drawn to? It's also interesting that I'm aware of lots and lots of collectors with you know, all the latest supercars and hypercars and lots of very special stuff in their collections. They'll have an Integrale Evo 2. I know several of these guys who have them and use them quite a lot through the winter. So there must be something about those cars, and I'd like to investigate that. Maybe
1: we should do that. I don't really plan on having a sort of features meeting in the middle of our podcast, but (laughs) maybe we should go and get a 205 and an Integrale. And now that um, the readers and followers have had their say, maybe you and I take what they say and see what we think. Maybe we'll just go out and and have our say.
0: Very interesting idea. If you like the idea, let us know. Yeah, let us know. And if you have a... A a MINT 205 GTI or an EVO 2. Get in touch. Or both. Or both, yeah, get in touch. As a car journalist, I spend lots of time far from home in airports and hotels using whatever Wi-Fi network is available. But I've started using NordVPN to protect my devices and data while traveling. It's easy to use, and best of all, I can still watch streaming services when I'm not at home. I can't tell you how annoying it is to be told I can't watch a Grand Prix or catch up on Top Gear just because I'm overseas, but now I can be halfway around the world and make websites and streaming platforms think I'm back at home in Bristol. We've partnered with NordVPN to offer you a massively discounted rate, and I mean more than 60% off the standard cost, plus four months for free. It's a hell of an offer. If you've been meaning to check out VPNs but haven't got around to it, just go and try NordVPN now, that's N-O-R-D-V-P-N. Take advantage of this offer at nordvpn.com forward slash intercooler or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee so you can try NordVPN risk-free. Right, let's get back to the podcast. Okay, so we move into the semifinals. Um, the first of the two semi semi-finals was Japan against France, Toyota GR Yaris, 205 GTI. Fairly straightforward. Which way that's going to go? Isn't it? Two thirds of the vote to the two hundred five GTI. So a decent showing from the GI yaris and I, I guess it demonstrates that that's another one of those cars that there's a recency bias, though I'm sure. But that is one of those cars that has grabbed the imagination, um, and people are particularly drawn to that car. You know, just over a third of the vote is not a bad showing against perhaps the icon of hot hatch icons.
1: Yeah, no, I think I, I think it, I think it did well, and, and I've i think it's because what's it put I mean, manual gearbox i think it just i also think that toyota at the moment is just regarded as one of those companies that's kind of on your side you know mm. producing cars like the gr86 and you know just deciding to stick a manual gearbox in the super and you're know, doing the gr yeah i mean there's so few big big companies like that showing their enthusiast side and actually and not just doing it with Badging and you know bit of red paint and you know and that sort of thing, but actually making properly developed, um, you know, mm. really amazing drivers' cars. And I think there's a lot of love out there, not just for the car, but for the the attitude yeah. um, that lies behind it. So I'm I'm, I'm guessing that's why it is. Um, even so, you know, two and three people voted for the for the two hundred five, so it just goes to show, you know, what you know anything that comes up against it in the final. Um, is going to be up against. It's a uh, formidable contender.
0: Now, how much would you have voted, how much would you have bet on the second semi-final going the way of the Golf GTI Mark One against the Integrale? Plenty. Plenty? I would plenty, have bet plenty. plenty. I,
1: I, didn't, I wouldn't have thought, I would never have thought that the Golf would have walked all over the Integrale. Mm. But I would have said it would have run out of convincing when I would have said it would have been... About the same as the two hundred five with the with, with the Yaris, I would have said it'd been like sort of sixty five thirty five something like that.
0: In the it's event, not... is almost the opposite. The yeah. the Golf got thirty seven percent of the vote, sixty three for the Integrale. Yeah. Um,
1: so this was, this was the 30...
0: upset of the tournament, wasn't it? It was the upset of the tournament. That's right. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming. I thought we were cruising towards. 205 GTI versus Mark One Golf GTI in the final. Everybody that, thought that. Yeah, that Lots would been, of people
1: said, why are you doing this? We normally yeah. know what's going to happen. It's going to be the 205 versus the Golf in the
0: final. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. So I'm so glad we had that un, unexpected result, a bit of a shock. Because um, yeah. you want that in any of these contests, don't you? You want that surprise. And so we go into the final that nobody saw coming, Integrale Evo 2 versus 205 GTI, Italy versus France. And my word, well, A, we didn't predict that final. Yeah. And B, who saw it being as close as it was? 52 48. 52 48.
1: More than 1,700 votes. It was probably 100 votes between them.
0: Yeah. Not much. Not much. Well, it it could only have been narrower by one one percentage point, couldn't it? Um, Yes, absolutely right. Yeah cuz then it would have been a dead heat. Yeah. So, blimey, super super close. And in the end it went the way of the 205 GTI.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as I guess
0: most people would. I mean, it was it was the favorite, wasn't it? It was the favorite, yeah. There's no yeah, there's no question it was the favorite. Um and it did win. Um But uh, I I'm just delighted that we had a very very close c- contest in the final. Um because nobody saw that coming.
1: You no, might have I mean, predicted the it, winner, but
0: nobody yeah. predicted the the Lancia running it so close.
1: I mean, it sailed through the corners, through the quarters and through the semis. Yeah. Um, but it had a proper fight in the final. Yeah, real dust up. Uh, which, which, which is what we wanted. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, maybe if it had been up against the gulf, maybe I think it probably would have been a much more convincing win. I just completely underestimated the love for the
0: Integrale that's out there. Mm, yeah. It's great isn't it So we need yeah. to investigate the Integrale a bit more Do some, Find an example Drive it, photograph it And just sort of dig into it a little bit more Find out why people do love them so much um, Now we, we haven't declared Which 205 GTI It was That was representing France in this contest Does it matter And if it, de- if it does matter Would you choose a 1.6 or a 1.9 Is there a specific year
1: well, it has to be. Well, I mean, to me, I mean, I think that's a good argument for 1.6, but I mean, it depends how you know, nitty gritty you want to get through it. Yeah. So I would go a non sunroof, non power assisted series 1.5, 1.9 pre pre-CAT 205. <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, if you want to really, really drill down, you know, if you want, I'd like the Miami Blue specification limited edition with leather seats and mud flaps. <laughs> <laughs> as <laughs> <That's> your winner <laughs> so um you know so if you want to you know explicitly which also happens to describe the car i used to own perfectly so yeah. um that's what i would have but i think you know given that the one six and the one nine were on sale at the same time so it was not like they were different generations of cars um i think we can put that under the two or five g but call them you know essentially the result refers to both cars
0: mm. yeah okay fine um so the the two or five gti wins and as voted for by the TI audience, not you and me, but by the audience, you Correct. have all voted the 205 GTI, the greatest hot hatch of all time. Um, and I, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, but we'll come back to the 205 in a minute. I'd, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on the car specifically. But I was just wondering how different my eight nominations to represent each country would be to what we came up with in the end. Oh, okay. I haven't got the full list, but you know there are several um, that would be quite different, and this is because most of them are more modern cars. Just because how my career has fallen, I've um, spent more time in them. You know, yeah. I've um, had much more opportunity to appreciate these cars. They're the ones I know well, the ones that I've really loved driving the most. Um, and so, for France, I'd have chosen the Renault Sport Megane R twenty six R. Yeah, um, a superb thing. I'd have chosen the Golf GTI Clubsport S, the Mark Seven. Now, n- neither of those have rear seats, and there is a good case to say that a hot hatch with two seats is kind Isn't of missing the, the point of a hot ha- of yeah. a hot hatch. I totally understand that, but by our broad definition, both those cars remain hot hatches. I think for Japan, I'd have had the previous Civic Type R, only because I've not driven the brand new one, but I am I am driving that next week, I think so. Maybe I can report back on that. Um, I'd have had the Fiesta ST Performance representing the USA. Um, so my list would have been really quite different. Um, I, which ones would you have had on your list that that the audience didn't choose? Okay, so let's run through it quickly. So
1: France, I would have had the two hundred five. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid Germany, I wouldn't have had a Mark One GTI. Mm. I would have either have had. I'm not just saying this because you're here. I would have had a, I would have really struggled between a Mark Five. And a Mark Seven GTI mm. really mm. would have struggled. Um, yeah. I think I would have gone for the Mark Five in the end, just because it was when it was new, it was a greater car than the Mark Seven was when it was new. Mm. Um, UK, I would have had the Sunbeam Lotus. <laughs> that's because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's I'm old and it goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. um, Italy was always going to be the Integrale, even for me, who's not the world's greatest Integrale fan. Japan, I'd have had a Civic. Um, mm. You know, I would have had. Um, I don't know whether I had an EP3 or an EK9. I mean, they followed each other, and they're the first two Civic Type R's. But a really nutty original um, Mm. would have been very cool. Uh, Yeah, Skoda. I'd probably would have had an i twenty n, not an i thirty n for for South Korea. Sorry, and Spain. Yeah, Leon, and the US. Focus RS. It would have been the Focus RS or a Fiesta ST, and certainly for the Gen One Focus RS. I think I've had a Fiesta ST. I've had so much fun in Fiesta STs. Superb, yeah. Superb. An an ST200 with maybe a little bit of Mount Tune love on top of it. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, just such a, such a brilliant, I mean, you know, years from now when we're all driving around in, you know, in electric boxes and we're looking back at, you know, it's just going to be one of those cars. We're going to look back and think, did they really make a car that much fun for so little money? And, we're just going to miss it oh god aren't we ever Yeah, we're going to miss all the fun we're not having it anymore we probably didn't know how good we had it did we i think that's exactly right mm. i mean except you know sometimes i can remember i don't know where i was going but i was up on a mountain road in a, in a fiesta ST. i can't even remember which generation it was whether it was the four or the three-cylinder one but i can remember this sense of just thinking this is ridiculous i should not be having this much fun in a car that cost well the cost at the time 15 16 grand or whatever it was you know half the price of a new electric Corsa um (laughs) and just thinking this is almost too good to be true and I think that's probably the way we'll come to regard them and just think that there was this sort of moment when these fabulous cars because they were so little more expensive than you know than you know a standard well-equipped Fiesta with a one liter Mm. engine or you could spend another 1500 quid and you get yourself an ST um yeah so uh yeah I think I would have had that over the Focus I mean the Focus RS was a an amazing car and I love it um, but I think the Fiesta ST
0: is a more important car mm. yeah well said um, so go back to the 205 I, I have I've driven one only one only quite briefly what yeah. I yeah so you've, you've suggested we might try and get the two finalists together and dig into think, a little bit the more the more I think about it the more I kind of think we need to do this yeah okay I, I agree I just want to spend a proper amount of time in a really tidy 205 gti yeah um and on a great road as well and make sure i've understood it properly understood why it's won this contest um what it is about the difficult
1: thing is going to be finding the right car yeah um you know i know this is someone who's gone out and done the research and bought a 205 uh, and you know i ended up being quite lucky and i had a nice car um but there are so many dogs out there there are so many cars which you know might look quite nice um, but they've been thrashed and they've been modded and they've not been looked after. And you know, I'll know if it's a good mm. one or not, but yeah, I mean, it has to be the right car because I think the wrong kind of two or five GTI experience, you just can sit
0: there thinking, Well, what are people What's going on about? about? Yeah, yeah. So, the one that I drove had recently been restored and it was on modern tyres. And I, I wonder how much of a factor is are modern tyres going to be? Are they going to take something away from the driving experience or mm. yeah, yeah it does it does a bit i mean they just calm it down a bit and it mm.
1: well some would say that's a good thing yeah um you know even my car which was on you know i got i got the ropeiest type modern tires i could get for it uh, <laughs> well not they're you know, not quite the, the, the ropeiest of the sort of main brands it was on dunlops um and even that um you know it would go sideways pretty, pretty you know pretty much at the drop of a hat but it wasn't quite the ridiculously acrobatic thing that's They used to, because I I had a 205 1.6 when it was new, in 1985, blimey, that was a while back. Anyway, um, so I know what they should feel like, and I know how many times that thing spat me off the road, because I didn't know how to drive it. Um, And (laughs) yeah, modern tyres do make a bit of a difference, but I mean, not a huge amount. Um, And I also think that um, Michelin, who provided the original Tour of the OE tyre manufacturer for that car, um, now do... You know, reissues. So you can go yeah. and go buy an MXV or an MXV2 or whatever the car would have come on originally. Um, and it, it'll look exactly the same. It will drive very soon. It's not quite exactly the same, but it'll be as close as you can get. And if somebody has restored a car properly, they'll be going to put those on it.
0: Mm. Yeah, okay. So there we go. That's what we need to find is a good example um, of the 205 5 GTI and pro- really get underneath its skin um, because I, I just have to know why it is that it won this contest for one thing and why people rhapsodise about these cars. Um, I, I remember, well, how old was I? 50, I don't know. This was 20-odd years ago, maybe 22 years ago, something like that. I was on a family uh, canoeing holiday. We were kayaking down the, the River Wye. Um, oh, okay. We, we must have started a fair way up because it took several days. This probably came past my place. Possibly, um, and I was, I remember being a little bit grumpy about it on one of the days. And we came into. Well, well, Harry,
1: 15 years old going on a canoeing holiday, and you're a bit grumpy about it. I can't <laughs> imagine why.
0: <laughs> and we, we came into Ross on um, Y, yeah. and to try and cheer me up a bit, my dad bought me a copy of Trade It. Do you remember that in the paper? Trade no. It? You don't? No. There's wow. it like Exchange and Mart? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. A classified ads. Um, Paper because we had this idea that we might go and buy a car to have um, some fun with, and I remember flicking through it and finding the Peugeot 205 GTIs in there, um, and seeing an example up for 250 pounds, and it was it was a runner and you know had an MOT, um, and I even made the phone call and asked a couple of questions about it, (sighs) It didn't go any further. but I, I guess that demonstrates why there are so many dogs out there, because a while ago, they were filthy cheap, weren't they? Yeah. And people will have just abused them and not looked after them. them. Yeah. yeah, nobody cared. And now, a really tidy one is, well, I don't know, 15 grand, is it? Is it more than yeah. that? Yeah, oh, it can be. Can, absolutely can be. It's always, you know, the, those things are very
1: mileage mile sensitive now. If you, you know, if you have a nice, clean 1.9 with 45,000 miles on the clock, that's a 30 grand car these days. Mm. bloody hell bloody
0: yeah. 30 grand yeah wow ok alright so yeah we will do that now I, I think we need to do more of these World Cups as you mentioned earlier but they don't have to be we won't give away what we are going to do in the future but they don't have to be positive do they they don't have to be restricted to an individual category of car we can okay. mix it up a bit have some fun with it the world's um, worst cars or yeah yeah, we could do the worst cars. Yeah. Um that will that will motivate people. That will get some uh get a reaction, won't it? So we'll kick a few ideas about between us and figure out what we do next. Um but for now, just you know, thank you everybody who took part, who nominated cars, who voted in the polls. Um hopefully it was a bit of a diversion over Christmas and um as it was intended to be, just a little bit of fun. Yeah. So, um, we've got a listener question coming up to bring this episode to a close. Um, before I do that, I must just remind you all to, um, rate and review the podcast. That is, it's basically the primary mechanism that we have for finding new podcast listeners. Um, and the bigger the podcast gets, the more we can do with it. Um, so please do rate and review. I can see you doing it. I really appreciate it. Um, And while you're doing us a favour, go and check out the-intercooler.com. And if you haven't subscribed already, maybe now is the time to start your one-month free trial uh, and see what the-intercooler.com is all about. Um, So the listener question comes from Pat Brown. Interesting question. What is your writing process from drive to published article? Oh, my God. What hardware or software do you use? Where, when do you write? How do you stick to a certain number of words? How long do you typically get to complete a piece? Who edits and signs off your work? So just shedding a little bit of light on the writing process, I suppose.
1: I mean, that is... I mean, there's an entire... Well, it'd be a very boring podcast, but there <laughs> is an entire podcast in the, in the answer to that question. Um, it just depends so much on... You know, there are there are pieces which you can spend... I recently published a story... Um, on the-intercooler.com um, one of the things we do there is sometimes we do stories which aren't about cars at all because we can and we love it and I did a story about uh, some insane journey in the Antarctic in 1911 where three people set off to collect some eggs and all almost die and that took days of research mm. um, but it's something that I want to do sometimes however you will be in a position where, when Dan you had this recently where you got to drive a new Ferrari, and you had five laps of Fiorano, mm. um, <laughs> including you're out and you're in. So you so you say basically you have about, you probably have less than five minutes of evaluating time in which everything, you, you have to discover everything that your readers might want to know about the car that you're in. And yeah, those are the kind of like the two poles. Uh, one where you can be, you know, considered and take your time and really do a proper job on it. And the other one where you're just, oh my God, just we just got to get this job done Mm. um and you know i quite like both actually i quite like you know having the time not that it happens very often to really research problems but i also like because i think it is one of the things that marks out those who are quite good at this job is people who can come to reliable verdicts in the most suboptimal of circumstances and Mm. give a real impression of a car and if i feel i'm doing that well then you know i like that too so normally what will happen is let us say a car comes to me um i will go off and drive it um where i live is quite remote i can be on a decent driving road 30 seconds from leaving my front door and i have various routes depending on how much time i have depending on the kind of car that it is i will choose the route that i think suits it best um, which will have a bit of everything in it it'll have some mountain road in it it'll have a bit of urban it'll certainly have a long stretch of dual carriageway in it so i'll be able to and you know i will often have um a dictaphone or a notebook or whatever with me but actually if you do this for long enough you kind of it's it all sinks in pretty quickly Mm. um and by the time you're home um you know if you drive it even for two hours on roads that you know inside out that you've Mm. been over in a thousand other cars over the years that'll tell you more than days driving them on roads you don't know at all so you know you get you get an impression very quickly and then you sit down and depending on what sort of piece it is um you structure it in your head i mean i'd love to say that i sort of sit down and do an entire sort of treatment and storyboard and everything else but we just don't have time to do that no um and you know again one of the skills of this job is to kind of be able to sit down start a story and know where it's going and not and and to keep control of it so you don't disappear off down blind alleys and you don't you know you lead the story it doesn't lead you um and as far as the word count is concerned um (sighs) you just know you just know somebody says to you okay we want 800 words that's a completely different story to two and a half thousand words um and you don't sit there and think oh i've only got 800 words therefore i'm gonna you know not write about this i'm not write about that or cut you just you, you you just sit there and you write and at the end of it, it is 800 words because you've done it for so long your your brain just it's almost like muscle memory your brain yeah. just knows what to yeah, do yeah.
0: it's a curious um, thing isn't it and you yeah. you find yourself reaching the end of your conclusion as the 800th word comes up yeah. and you think, "Not yeah. bad." <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it's
0: like it's, it's like your body, you
1: know, you know. sometimes you think, oh, I've got to get up at half past four in the morning, so I'll set an alarm. But mm. because your brain knows you've got to get up at half, somehow your brain knows what half past four in the morning is mm. and it just does it anyway. And it's, and it's exactly the same thing. There's a sort of, there's something going on in the subconscious where you just sort of program yourself to do a certain thing and you go and do it. Um, so, you know, hitting a word count is nothing like as um, as hard as perhaps it might seem. Um some people go over, and that's fine. Um, but you know, no, for
0: me, it's 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 it's, it's all. I've been very lucky. It's always quite straightforward. I love that on Ti we have the space. So if it's so frustrating when you, I remember doing a really long drive in a special car for a magazine, amazing photos, plenty to write about, interesting car, um, and having I don't know fifteen hundred words in which to convey all this, and. It's so frustrating because you it's not the story you want to write. Yeah. Um, it's, you feel limited. limited. Um, I remember reading that um, writing an article, a short article, is like swimming in the bath. Writing a novel is like swimming in the sea. Um, and it, yeah, swimming in the bath is really funny and it, it's, it, it's, it, it's restricting. And we don't have that on TI, you know, because we're digital if we want to write even up to 3000 words or something yeah. or more, we can do that. Um, but it takes a bit of discipline, doesn't it? To not be so verbose that you take up 3000 words saying not very much at all. That's a key. Yeah. skill.
1: But I mean, I can remember back in the days when I was testing cars for the Sunday times every week, um, there was an all new Ford focus. This is when the focus was Britain's best-selling car. There couldn't be a more important car to readers of the Sunday times. Um, and i had to and it was it was one of those massive launches where you've got eight different models and five different engines and you know and you'd have you know you'd have a hatchback and you'd have the estate and there and i had 400 words (laughs) (laughs) in which to introduce the new ford focus to the readers of the sunday times it was it was almost impossible because there Mm. are certain by the time you have got down you know, the information, the barest of bold facts about the car which people need to know, there is no space left for writing. You know, you, you almost end mm. yourself up, you know, writing a sort of spec list and stringing it together into, into sentences because, mm. yeah, and as you say, you know, TI, just be able to sit down and just write what feels correct for the story. And that's the other thing, I mean, you know, all stories have, in your head, um, and it's one of the things that editors learn to do very quickly, is you just get to see a story, and somebody comes to you and goes, oh, I've driven this, or I want to do a story about this person, whatever, and in your head a figure just pops up, and you think, oh, that's a 1,200-word story, that's a 2,000-word story, that's an 800-word story. Mm-hmm. Um, and stories just have natural lengths, and believe me, 400 words is not a natural length for an
0: ordinary photo <laughs> focus. I, I remember being on staff on a magazine, and the pace is so frantic that I would write anywhere I could. So it might be on the coach on a launch it might be on a plane yeah. often on a plane often on the on the plane on the way home from the launch itself and you're frantically trying to get your copy together so you can ping it across the moment yeah. you land um airport waiting lounges yeah um a lay-by in the middle of a photo shoot it's it's crazy really isn't it it's something you can yeah. you can find yourself writing anywhere now i i managed to avoid that and i I'm in my office, the one I'm in now, and I have a a good environment. And actually, when I'm not in the right frame of mind, I can often say, I'm going to come back to this in an hour or two, or tomorrow morning, um, and have another crack at it when I'm better able to say what I want to say. Um, So there we go. Thank you, Pat, for your question, an interesting one. Um, Please do get your questions across. Um, We'll end next week's podcast with another. And, well happy new year to all of you yeah hope happy new is a good year.
1: One. yeah and um thank you for all your support um we have enormous plans for 2023 we look forward to telling you more about them uh, hopefully seeing some of you actually getting to meet up yeah. that's a lot of a big component of what we're going to do uh, but in the meantime yeah happy new year thanks for all the support and um, we'll talk to you next week thanks everyone